is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. As far as my wife is concerned, uh, I'm sure she'll be absolutely fascinated when I tell her about it. She's a uh, confirmed ghost story and horror film addict. <laughs> Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 251. This time around, you were joined by the wonderful... Adrian Brody and Emily Hampshire stars in the new series Chapel Wait. It's based on Stephen King's short story Jerusalem's Lot. At time of release, premiering on Epics August 22nd. Listen, Chapel Wait is awesome. From the poignant and beautiful writing of the Filardi brothers, the stunning Victorian costumes, and the breathtaking Chapel Wait house itself, which you are going to love. If you're like us, you'll be pausing it and just looking around and taking it all in. It is just beautiful what they did with this show. We are obsessed. And then the performances. Emily and Adrian and the rest of the entire cast are at their all-time best here. Breathtaking creature design. Super fun gore. This thing has it all. Descend into the world of Chapel Wait on episode 251 with Adrian Brody and Emily Hampshire. Let's go. Dear Cousin Charles. By the time you receive this letter, I shall be in my final resting place. I bequeath you a magnificent ancestral home we call Chapelweight. What do you think? Hardly know what to say myself. I hear you're looking for a governess. We are. Your family has a reputation. Your children. Are they Christian? Some blame Chapel Wait for the illness in town. The boons are surrounded by misfortune. Father, are we safe here? Once the people see that there's nothing to fear, this animosity will diminish. Unless there is something to fear. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Bloody disgusting Boo Crew. I love it. <laughs> How's it going, Adrian? <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I get to say that. Can I say, hey, it's Adrian Brody. I'm with Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew. You just did, man. That's great. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, all right, man. We're going to do a quick introduction. We'll get right into it. So, joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, quite simply, one of the most celebrated storytellers of our lifetime. His earlier work includes Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill and Terrence Malick's Unforgettable The Thin Red Line. After starring in Spike Lee's Summer of Sam, became the youngest to win the Academy Award for Best Actor in Polanski's The Pianist in 2002. He helped earn Peter Jackson's King Kong, three Oscars, four for Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel, took us into M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, Vincesno Natale's Splice, and 2010's Predators. He took us back in time into the life of the extraordinary Harry Houdini and won the History Channel and Emmy for its miniseries based therein. In 2017, he was most deservingly feted with a Lifetime Achievement Award. His vast career continues to propel forward. Forever the consummate observer, keen to flourish in the details of performance, fading the line where the screen touches the floor. For that is what he does that pulls us in, that we can't help but to tumble into. His latest work is perhaps the greatest testament to all of that. He introduces us to Charles Boone, who relocates his family of three children to his mysterious ancestral home 
It is Chapelweight, premiering exclusively on Epic's August 22nd. He is the inimitable Adrian Brody. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Oh, really? I am. You are you are like the uh, the best hype man I've ever had. I mean, this is the most exciting moment. This is a triumph. This interview is a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> I really that. <laughs> well, man, I don't think I've ever had an intro like oh, that. Oh, you are, come on, man. Well, again, congratulations on seriously yeah. one of the best. Most chilling stories we have ever seen. Now, it's based on Stephen King's Jerusalem's Lot, brought to life so eloquently. All right, we're going to go here first. By the words of Peter and Jason Filardi. So we wanted to ask you about that exact thing. The poetic dance of the script, from the names of the children to lines like, never fear quarrels, but seek hazardous adventures. And I give orders at sea, on land I give choices. Your words in episode 10. What did the way in which this was written do to ignite you through this experience? Wow. Well, huh, it's a, it's a, we're very fortunate, all of us. Um, you know, we, we, we began with wonderful source material, obviously, with Jerusalem's Law. And I think, you know, Peter and Jason Filardi are, are wonderful guys, first and foremost. And even more so, they are just, they're beautiful writers and they, they really captured the tone of that. And built upon that, and 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 they created such a, a lovely family dynamic, and I think that spoke to me so much about Charles Boone's need as a father to take care of these children uh, against you know all of this inhospitable surroundings and all of what was plaguing him personally, and. Um, I'm sorry, I've got one kid right here. It's, that's kind of it's all good. We know what that's like. We have four, so <laughs> we understand. <laughs> um, and, you know, all of that really spoke to me. And, um, but I, you're right. The, the, the words are so important and their writing was so beautiful. Yeah, it's special. Hey, your character has to go through so much in terms of relocating your family, dealing with grief, madness, protecting your family at all costs. What was the most challenging part in playing Captain Charles Boone? There, a lot, there was a lot to contend with, Leo. You know, uh, he was a man who, from childhood, had severe trauma and had to, I guess, embark on manhood prematurely. And that alone shapes everything moving forward. And, and then if you couple that with being a ship's captain and having to command an unruly, you know, crew on a, on a whaling ship during the mid 1800s, and then losing your wife and having to now be saddled with the responsibility of taking care of children that I'm sure as much as he loved his children, he wouldn't have the, the wherewithal to, to handle that uh, as gracefully as he would have liked. And so all of those, that was all, those were all big things to take on, you know, they're, they're real. Those are real things. And then there was the, the horror aspect that is which everyone is, can't wait to, to see. And, and I can't wait to share on top of all those real burdens. So then you have, uh, you know, 
things inside the walls of the house. You have a completely inhospitable town and, and a history that you, your family that you didn't know about of just, you know, everybody despising you because of your family. And it's endless. Not to mention having visions of worms coming out of your nostrils and taking, taking baths with them, which were real things that I had to do as an actor. Those were also challenges. So there, were, there, there was a lot to, to, to contend with. But I, I somehow I think I, I, I revel in all of that. I kind of I enjoy. I enjoy getting through it. I say, OK, you know. They, they, we had an option, for instance, to use a, a BFX for the worm in my nose. But I said, you know, we have worms on set. Let's try it. You know, and, and I f- feel like that sets me to a place that is uncomfortable and adds a level of reality to it. And then hopefully creeps people out as I'm creeped out. <laughs> Take us into the Chapel Wait set itself. The wood paneling, the way it was lit, it was just beautiful. What was it like to surround yourself in that space? What was exciting about all that and what that felt like? I mean, I, I mean, the more, you know, we shot in a real home from the era, uh, uh, you know, at the turn of the 1850s, early, yeah, early 1800s home, I believe, um, maybe even earlier. Um, but it was a beautiful structure. And I think what... And the home itself was was dramatic. They also built quite a lot of that on the set. So there were times that the set was so beautifully crafted, it, it kind of outweighed the original construction of the home that we were we were uh, mirroring. Because you know, obviously, certain rooms had to be different proportions for a crew to work in, etc. But what what the real Triumph was uh, Jerusalem's lot, and with, when they built that, they built the whole town, and they built that church, and that is just—it was so ominous and and dark, and and uh, they did a, it was just a wonderful job. But yeah, the cinematography is amazing, the production design. We we were very fortunate that the the score and 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 uh, effects. They're all there. It's a wonderful team of people that conspired to to put this together. I just love the credit sequence so much. What right. about that? The credit sequence is fantastic. Incredible. Yes. 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 The credit sequence. I said, "Wow, that's a show that I would want to tune into every time just to see that again." Like it, it just got me. So I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. The cool thing about that credit sequence too is every time you watch it, the the more episodes you watch, each part of the credit sequence takes on a different meaning, which is the coolest right. thing. That's our time, man. Thank you so thank much you so for much. taking the time to speak with us and congratulations oh, yes. on this stunning achievement. I'll never you. regret it. With that intro, that's going to carry me through at least a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Captain Boone. Peace <laughs> out. Thank you. Well, guys. Thanks a lot. The Boo Crew will be right back. Ben Mears has been away too long. And now at last, he's come home. The men fought at Valley Forge. Daddy, come back home to the childhood memories to the old familiar faces to a life unmolested by time and with your saints let him rejoice in your presence forever we ask it through christ our lord amen home to salem's lot a town too good to be true what was that did you happen to notice the time when the boys left 
We shouldn't have gone through the woods. It's a shortcut. We should have been here half an hour ago. Wait! Danny, wait! Something is happening. Something terrible. The best-selling author of Carrie and The Shining takes you on a startling journey to Salem's Lot. This is Trevor, Lauren, and Leo from Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew. Woohoo! This is our first time seeing you. We did this before. Know, we did it over the phone. Because I was like, you know what? You look good. Oh, you guys so do you. So do you. All right, we'll start with our introduction and get right into it. So, joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a phenomenal storyteller, creator, and returning guest to the show, beginning her career in television with appearances on the iconic Are You Afraid of the Dark, Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict, and the 31 time award winning comedy series The Industry. She launched the absolute coolest. Trajectory from starring in acclaimed indie films like 2004's TIFF official selection Blood to bringing animated characters to life through a burgeoning voice career in the Genesis winning Braceface, Emmy winning 16, and many more. After her Sitkus nominated horror film The Return, she went on to star as Jennifer Goins in sci fi's extraordinary 12 Monkeys alongside Natalie Portman, Susan Sarandon, Kit Harrington, and Kathy Bates in The Death and Life of John F. Donovan and winning the Canadian Screen Award for her role in Save Me. In 2015, she turned Stevie Budd into the world's best friend and one of the most loved characters in pop culture history. That adventure lasted six seasons, earning her almost a dozen awards from Screen Actors Guild to Gemini's. She has been the muse for the likes of Cronenberg to Raimi and Darren Aronofsky. Guided by her fearless approach and willingness to give herself completely to these wonderful characters that stay with all of us in our own ways when we need them most. Her latest work is a stunning achievement that is a tapestry of all these things. She plays Rebecca Morgan, a writer hired as governess of the mysterious Boone family and supposedly cursed grounds of their home, Chapelweight. Based on Stephen King's short story, Jerusalem's Lot, premiering exclusively on Epics August 22nd, we are honored to welcome back Emily Hampshire. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, thank you. No, that is the 97-year-old Emily Hampshire who has been that long from Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, <laughs> wow, that was quite... Listen, I'm not going to argue. I think a lot of people might argue with me saying that I'm Darren Aronofsky's muse, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on one of the best shows we've ever seen, hands down. Yes. Oh, all right. So first of all, the first question is what pressures did you feel or what freedom did it award you of playing one of the characters completely outside of the original story in Rebecca Morgan? Well, interesting because so when this script came to me, I had just sold my own show that I'm a writer on for the first time. And I was no joke. I was reading Stephen King's book called On Writing. He wrote a book about writing. I was reading this book and I got this script to play Rebecca Morgan, who is a writer in a Stephen King adaptation. So 
that blew my mind. Um, and then I read Jerusalem's lot and I was like, where's where's Becky Morgan? Um, and then I realized that not that Stephen King needs any help with adding anything to his novels or anything, but I do think the Filardi brothers made a good choice in adding Rebecca Morgan. And I like to think of it like, I think she's Stephen King. Like if Stephen King was a super smart, educated woman in the 1850s, he'd be Becky Morgan. Hell yeah. That's a great way to look at it. So let's talk about this script written by the Filardi brothers. It's incredible. Mm. So for anyone listening who might not know, Peter Filardi wrote the freaking craft in Flatliners. These are some of the best films ever made. So the audience <laughs> is in fantastic hands right from go. And you've got some of the best lines. One of my favorites. Isn't that what ambitions are? It's a sliver of lunacy. Uh, what it takes to dream beyond the realm of the ordinary. It, we're oh just dying God. over here. There's countless others you get. One of them, uh, yeah. it takes purpose to break the paradigms that others set for us. As a woman, I know this well. What is performing yeah. with that poignancy and intent feel like? How does that inform your performance? <laughs> You know, what was so amazing was like that last line you just said about, you know, it takes purpose to break the paradigms others set for us, especially as a woman. I know this well. Um, it's amazing that this is a story in the 1850s where that line resonates with me today. Like and I think it resonates with a lot of women. It's um, she Rebecca Morgan is ahead of her time, but she's not ahead of this time. Like this time still still. Uh, that that line holds true now. And so I love it was so surprising to learn that, you know, the Filardi brothers are brothers and they wrote this woman who is so empowered and went to Mount Holyoke, which I then researched that school, which is amazing like that school was it, it's the first school to allow trans women to come um and it it teaches these women to be you know kind of like rebecca morgan ambitious not ashamed of ambition um to to question authority um and i basically want to go to school there <laughs> or older education thing but anyways i just i on the one hand it, there was so much in it that I was like, I wanted to play Rebecca because I wanted to be her. Like, I want to get some of that into me because um, she's definitely way braver than I am. Like, if if the vampire runs past me, I'm going the other way. I'm not running after the scary thing. Um, however, I'm definitely the type of person who'd be like, can I be your governess? <laughs> And then, like, because I want to, like, steal your souls and write about you. Um, I love that about her. So, yeah, it was. But it was also, like you said, there was a bit of in, it was a bit intimidating to me because to live up to that, like what they wrote was such an amazing woman that, like, I want to be her. Don't know that I I was a little insecure of can I live up to this? Had no problem, you know, feeling like I could couldn't live up to it in the presence of Oscar award winning Adrian Brody. You know, that was not at all intimidating. Um, so there was that there was a lot, but like a lot of challenges that I felt so honored to be able to even attempt rising to the occasion of. 
Emily, I've got to admit, the first time I saw you on the show writing in the book, I couldn't help but think you were going to say, Dear Tiny Diary. (laughs) 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 Oh my god, I love you. On more serious, uh, on playing Rebecca Morgan, you don't only get to play a strong, independent, educated woman of the times, playing, uh, you also play a strong parental figure in the Boone children's lives. We also get to have some great scenes with weapons and guns and fighting. What was your favorite thing about playing Rebecca Morgan? Honestly, the costumes. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. What I loved about doing 12 Monkeys was like time travel. It wasn't the time travel. It was that I get to do all those time periods. And, and Jennifer was somebody who like everything was a new part for her. So she would dress in the costume of that. And so this, I just, I feel like, that does half the work for you as an actor and you put on those clothes and you feel like, and you have these sets and you just transport yourself to another time. That's, I wanted to be an actor so I could live all these different lives and to get to do that to this extreme. Like when I was a kid, my parents sent me to this camp for a week where you have to live in the past. Like you sleep on hay, you churn butter, and then you have to go to school with a slate. And it was like the most amazing thing. I loved it so much. Most people wouldn't. So don't send your kids there. But um, I loved it. The Victorian costuming, I just want to talk about that, is incredible. Did you have a favorite dress? Did you get to keep any of the dresses? Was it uncomfortable? I know that's a lot of questions, but. Well, um, I did have a favorite dress and then my favorite dress changed when they made me a new dress. Um, my favorite dress was my first dress, the red one that I'm wearing. And I love that dress. And, and I didn't want love the jaunty hat. I found the jaunty hat not as fun as the, um, however, I was like, I never wanted to change out of that dress until at the very end. Rebecca got to change into her sad blue dress and I loved my sad blue dress. (laughs) Um, So that, and I did wear a corset in it. I took one of my corsets home. I like wearing a corset. Again, most women don't, don't get them that for like, (laughs) they're not going to love it. I like it. When a certain secret of your past is revealed, the emotional shift in you is devastating to watch ending with some incredibly heart-wrenching moments with yourself and Charles Boone, as well as the family in terms of like continuity and maybe not filming any of these episodes in any sort of logical sequence whatsoever and how TV and and shows work. What is the prep work behind kind of achieving that devastation and dropping into it? Is it easy for you? How do the other actors help you back into that? You know, it's, and I wouldn't say easy, but like it is to me, easy when something is earned and and written so well in the way that all that was leading up to this would make that for anyone so devastating for these kids who she'd like put she made them trust her she went and, and it's one of those things i really think that you do like a lie that you think isn't really gonna hurt anyone isn't really gonna and then you find out it does and it really like i found that quite devastating how how hurt those kids were and i also have to say those kids are some of the best actors i've ever worked with um they're just wonderful 
So, yeah, I feel like I feel like the story made it easy because it made sense. What's hard to do, I find, is if you're asked to have some emotional reaction to something that like it wasn't earned story wise. And that's when you're like pushing stuff and you feel like, why can't I do this? Well, it's, you can't do it because I mean, it might be because you're not a good actor or I'm not a good actor. I don't know. But mainly it's it's that the story wasn't laid out for that character to feel that way. And this was all very earned. What about performing with these creatures under all these prosthetics? They were terrifying to watch. Was any of that stuff like kept from you until he comes out in your scenes or, or like how was it working with that? Okay, so I don't know if this is spoiler. If it is, you guys will do. They'll tell you not to say something. <laughs> right, right. But I'm going to tell you the truth about this because you brought this up. So when I signed on to the project, I read the original, the short Jerusalem's Lot, and um, there was a worm in it. There weren't any vampires. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I signed on to this show and. Three weeks in, I don't know, we're on our fourth episode and I'm there in the dark because it's dark and gothic. And then I look and there's a terrifying vampire next to me. And like not a Twilight Rob Pattinson vampire, the vampire that like I think they did an amazing job with the process because this is the kind of vampire. It's the kind that you're like, oh, there are vampires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, it was so scary. Also, Julian Richings, like he was the first vampire I saw. Then there were many vampires. And I'm like, I think I w- was thinking of calling the union and being like, actors <laughs> hey, need to be informed when there's going to be halfway through the show, some terrifying thing that they're going to be eating lunch with. So anyways, that. <laughs> Didn't know there were vampires in this. <laughs> One last question. Tell us just a little bit about the Halloween episode. Did it freak you out performing that seance, walking around that house at all? Oh, my God. So, first of all, I loved the Halloween episode. So mainly I thought the costumes on the street were so cool. And they even dressed up the little lambs. Um, but um, that Halloween episode... First of all, we shot the interiors were in a studio. The exteriors were in a real house, uh, a house that was the actor Chapel Waite house. Um, And that house was haunted. So for real. Um, So everyone who lived in that house died tragically and they're mad about it still. They slam doors. They do all those things. Um, It's terrifying house. Um, So when we were doing the seance thing, it was in the interiors. But like we still all kept that bit of creepiness from the actual house. But then also one last Halloween um, BTS moment is um, for Halloween, I was Stevie King because I was there. And so I had plaid on and I had all Stephen King's scary clown twins. Ah, red rom. Um, so that was very fun. Emily, thank you yeah. so much for your time today. Congrats yes, on this incredible yes. show. Thank you. And thank you for knowing my smaller diary. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 251. Special thanks to our guests, Adrian Brody and Emily Hampshire. Awesome people. 
amazing show. A time of release, their new series, Chapel Wait, premieres on Epics August 22nd. Production tracks provided by our friends Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, Sweet Screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.